Um, but um, so most of you probably know, everybody knows, right, that there's trouble in this world. And being a Christian doesn't promise you any less trouble. So I don't have a message today that says you're going to have no trouble. I, I know you didn't plan on me saying that, but I, I have no message that says there's not going to be trouble. Um, in fact, John 16:33 says, I have told you these things so that you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. That's pretty powerful, and that's what we're going to learn about today. Um, so let's pray. Heavenly Father, as we come before you now and... Uh, Seek your face, let our, let our hearts be open, and um, help us to focus on what you have for us specifically today, God. We're all here for a reason, and, and your word will speak to us. So, God, I pray that my heart will be open and that the congregation's heart will be open so that we hear it loud and clear. I thank you for this opportunity, and I thank you that your word is strong enough to overcome this speaker in your name. Amen. So, today your notes are a little bit different. Hopefully everybody got an insert in the bulletin, and it's got two sides on it. And we'll get to it in a couple minutes. It's not, you're not going to start having to fill it out right away. Um, so I'll let you know when we're getting to it. But it's two-sided today. <clears throat> we're going to be talking about something today that everybody deals with. Some of us more than others. Um, some of us deal with it every single day. And for some of us, it runs our lives. Um, today, we're going to be talking about anxiety. Our theme last week was peace when it comes to relationships. Today, we're going to learn about how to have peace when it comes to anxiety. Um, specifically, we're going to look at two different options. You have two options usually when anxiety comes into your life. And we're going to contrast those two. We're going to look very specifically at um, the one we're used to, the world's version of how you deal with anxiety, and then we're going to try to look at something better, look at something where we can actually find peace. Um, for those of you like me, I've dealt with anxiety my entire life, and I think that's true of everybody. In some case, we've dealt with anxiety our entire life. Um, so to look at some practical and biblical ways to overcome that in, in our lives is exciting. And I've had to, like last week, I have to live this before I can come bring it to you. So it's been an exciting week for me. I've had a little less anxiety this week. I didn't start off that way, but I had a little less anxiety. So I long to live a life with less anxiety because, quite frankly, anxiety can make us completely... We can't operate. Anxiety can stop you. Anxiety can keep you from being effective, both in your life and in the ministry for Christ. So that's what I want to look at today. I want to look at how do we overcome anxiety. First, let's define what anxiety is, just in case anybody doesn't know, right? Everybody has their versions of anxiety in their lives, but let's define it. A couple of definitions here. This one is from a, a, a Christian writer that I, I read this week. It says, anxiety is an emotion characterized by uneasiness, apprehension, dread, concerns, restlessness, and worry, the anxious person often anticipates misfortune, danger, and doom. When you're anxious, do you ever anticipate the worst? I certainly 
fall into that. Here's another definition. It's a fear of uncertainty, a fear of the future connected with emotional arrest. So for the most part, anxiety is fear of something you don't know about, right? It hasn't happened yet, and you don't think it's going to go well, so you're anxious about that. So what are some common causes for anxiety? If this is what anxiety is, what are common causes? Like we just said, number one, fear of the future. This is a big one. Fear that I'll never get a promotion. Fear that I'll never succeed. Fear that you'll never get married. Fear of sickness. Fear of death. Fear of whatever it is for you. Insert that one for you. For fear of something in the future. Fear for your kids. What's another one? Another one is conflict. Conflict in the present. And this is pretty much what we talked about last week. This is sort of what's going on with you and other people, you and the people around you. Uh, we all have people that we need to get right with in our lives, and that tends to cause us anxiety. When we think about those people, or we see those people, or we hear them even talked about, that gives us some anxiety. It could be a coworker, it could be your spouse, and it could be another family member. This is just sort of the what's going on right now with you in relationships. A third one that I don't know that we always think about as anxiety is regret about the past. There's some of us that have anxiety about past sins or something that's happened in our past, and we replay those. We replay those over and over again. We worry that if someone finds out about it, what would happen? Especially Christians, right? Because as soon as somebody says to a Christian, look at what you did. We talked about this in Sunday school. The whole reason somebody should want to be a Christian is because they see how we live. And so as soon as they see us living the sinful lives that we all live, we have some hard conversations to have. We don't want anybody to find out about it. This is, this is a form of anxiety, and it's not one that we have to keep. It's not one that we have to hold on to. I know we're starting off kind of heavy here today, but I want to contrast this really starkly because anxiety is that sin in our life because it is a sin. When we're anxious and God tells us not to be anxious, commands us not to be anxious, we should treat that like everything else. If he says, do not be anxious, and this is here, this is how not to be, we should treat it that way. But Christians and everybody else treat anxiety like it's this thing we just have. We're going to live with it. And some people even say, well, if, if I'm not anxious, I don't know what to do. How am I, I going to do the next thing? I've got to be thinking about it. I've got to be racing in my mind. So... But a lot of times what happens when we, especially when we focus on regrets, on sin, we tend to look at ourselves as second-class citizens. And I, I admitted to you guys last week that this is how, for the, for the majority of my life, this is how I looked at myself. Why should I have anything but anxiety when I'm not good at, and here's my list? When I haven't accomplished, and here's my list. And when I'm not good with these people, and here's my list. So I... I think, why do I, des I don't deserve any peace because I haven't dealt with all those things. So I've replaced this awesome grace that God's given me with something sort of dirty and pathetic. So fortunately, that isn't how God looks at it. Today we're going to look at two paths, and this is where you can start to look. And I'd like everybody to have the path with the horrible, ugly thorns on it first. That's where we're going to start. Um, I told you earlier, there's earlier, there's two options when anxiety enters your life. 
and we're going to look at them as if they are two paths. For me, this was a nice way to, to be able to show what happens when you go down that path and what usually comes to fruition at the end of each path. Because we don't always think about what's at the end of this anxiety that we're having. We just think about it in the moment. <clears throat> so the first path I want to look at is the one we're most used to. This is the one that seems normal to us. It is the one that we've accepted sometimes. It's just how life is. And I'm calling this one the path of thorns. And you'll see why when we get to the text. So here's where your notes come in. And you've got your first line here. It says, the first step down the path is that anxiety is triggered. Right? Something has to happen. Something happens in your life and anxiety is triggered. Whatever that is for you. I'll list them. Your kids, your work, your husband, school, frustration, sickness, finances, whatever it is for you. Something triggers that unrest in you. The second, down the, this, the second step down this path is, is the big one. It's kind of the most important one. And I'm labeling it here. You can fill in your box with this, whatever this is for you, or you can just call it in general self-medication. We do something to alleviate anxiety. And I'll list, I'll list some for you, and you, if one fits for you, you can fill that in, or you can just write self-medication here. But they come in lots of different varieties, this self-medication. And you'll probably hear in my list some things that are probably mine. Because I'll be honest, after a long, hard day, my life seemed easier when I could watch SportsCenter for an hour and not have to think about my day. And I'll be honest, that's, that's a, I forgot about anxiety while I got to watch SportsCenter. So we do all sorts of things. But here's, here's just some common ones. Some people watch three hours of TV every night to wind down after a hard day. I say wind down because that's what you hear, right? I got I to gotta wind down after that day, right? I got I to gotta take a break. I got to have something else. I got to think about something else. Some people find it easier to cope by eating more than they should. Uh, this, is, this is fairly common. I'm sure everybody's experienced at one point or another. Food can make you feel good for a little while. The effects of that over time is not as pleasant, but food makes you feel good. Never? Never? <laughs> you picked that one. Okay, good. <laughs> Some have to have a couple extra beers at the end of the day. Um, some of us go to the mall or go online and buy stuff we don't need. Right? There's a certain amount of, that feels good for a few minutes to buy that thing that looked really nice, and I get to feel good about that for like four seconds. Then it comes in the mail, and you're like, I don't, why did I even buy this? This is useless in my house. I don't need another blender. <laughs> but I felt good that night when the infomercial was on, and I bought it. Um, sometimes it's drugs. You know, a lot of people go this direction, um, both prescription and otherwise. Some people... You know, your back has hurt for a long time. I, I don't mean to say back anything. And you don't really need that pill anymore, but boy, it kind of takes you to a nice place, right? That's, you no longer need it, but you're taking it anyway because it helps you deal with everything else. It helps you deal with your anxiety. Um, I looked this up. It's kind of old figures, like from 2009, but I couldn't find anything sooner. But about $42 billion is spent on anxiety drugs every year. That and the medical issues related. So those two things together are about $42 billion. And I'm not here today to tell anybody that 
um, anxiety drugs don't help people, but I just want you to think about that and how prevalent, that's like one third of all the mental health drugs, uh, that, that 42 billion is like a third of all the mental health drugs every year for anxiety. That's how prevalent this thing is. Um, so we all have self-medication. If I didn't name yours, you can name yours. I, I don't need to know what it is, but put it in there. Identify that thing for yourself that you say, I don't want to deal with what's going on in my life, so I do this. And that thing is probably not bad in and of itself. I'm not telling you that you know, watching Sports Center is bad, but when I'm trying to replace what I should be doing, I should be taking care of something in my life, and I'm watching Sports Center instead, that's what I'm talking about. So where does this path lead? I'll go through quick these. There's lots of studies on this. This is not a fun study to look up. Anybody want to go look at the effects of anxiety in your life? It's really not fun. There's the, like a list of 180 issues that come up from this. So you've got some lines in here, and I'll, I'll, I'll help you fill them out here. So one of them is social withdrawal. Social withdrawal. This can be very extreme to the point of you can't leave your house. This can be uh, more situational where I can't deal with seeing that person that sets off my anxiety. If I see them in the grocery store, and you know, I talked about mental health professionals. I work at the mental health place too. I see this too. There are people, when they see somebody in a grocery store, will flatten themselves against the wall and hope they don't get seen. Or they'll walk as quickly as they can around the other side because of that anxiety. That anxiety is telling them, I can't deal with whatever's about to happen. Um, so that's one. Um, the next one is unwarranted fear. Unwarranted fear. This process of anxiety seems to train yourself to be more fearful all the time, right? You're, you're thinking about it, you're dwelling on it, and the next thing seems even bigger because you just put it on top of all these other anxieties. And the next thing is even bigger to the point where you actually have a, a response each time to fear. You fear things you don't even need to fear. Um, another one compulsive and, or, and repetitive behaviors. This is almost like a, a physical manifestation of what's going on in your mind. You have these things you do over and over again um, as a way to cope with anxiety. I'm not giving you technical terms here, but I'm, I just want you to get the, you know, get the impression. Um, family and relationship problems. This one's obvious, right? If you're anxious all the time, it's gonna be a lot harder to talk to your wife or talk to your husband because you're anxious. <clears throat> alcohol and drug addiction um, this, is a, this, was a, this is a big one we see many people go down this route where it starts off as just being able to try to cope but then they have to if they become addicted then they have to deal with the side effects of that addiction as well so that just piles one thing on top of, a, of another um, we have depression and suicidal thoughts and then frequent physical and emotional issues and I read this list, I'm not going to read you guys this list, but it was awful. It was awful. Your nervous system is affected. Cancer is related to this sometimes. Uh, they've tied just about every kind of physical ailment you can imagine, respiratory problems, back, back to anxiety in some fashion. Anxiety over time takes its toll on your body and your mind. <clears throat> and there's one last issue. And this is, this is specific to Christians. This is one that we... By ignoring that we have anxiety in our life, there's something happening for Christians here. And this is where, well, this is where I got the, 
This is the uh, path of thorns. I'm going to read to you Mark 4, 18 through 19. This is part of the parable of the sower and the seed. So if you don't know the parable of the sower and the seed, you should go back and read all of Mark 4. The idea is, um, as the word is going out, as the ministry is spreading, seed is being cast out, and sometimes it lands on different types of soil, and depending on what kind of soil it is, you know, it either grows or it doesn't. So this is just one part of that, but you'll get the, you'll get the idea. Okay, so still others, like seed sown among thorns, hear the word, but the worries of this life, the deceitfulness of wealth, and the desire for other things come in and choke the word, making it unfruitful. The worries of this life, that's, that's where we get our word here for anxiety. You know, I, I looked up lots of definitions for anxiety, and there was this German term, and it literally means to choke you. Anxiety was choking your life. It was choking you. And another one was a divided mind. All these things sound terrible, right? But as Christians, it's going to be much more difficult to spread God's word if you're, anxi- if you're anxious. If anxiety is getting in the way of the ministry, that's an issue. That's an issue for you. Because all you can do is think about what's going on with you, and it's very difficult to get outside of that. It's very difficult to come into a church and minister when all you can think about is anxiety. Okay, so enough of the dark stuff here, right? That wasn't very fun. It wasn't fun for me either. But let's contrast that. You can flip your pages over. I want you to see a better way. I want you to see a different way. And I know you're all thinking the same thing. Jeremy's going to say that we need to pray more because that's what we always say. You're going to have to pray more if you ever want this to change. And you're going to be right, but we're going to teach you, I'm going to try to teach you a different way to pray. There's a specific prayer that we find in Philippians 4, 6 through 7. You can either turn there or it's, it's also on the top of your notes. At the, right. Yeah, it's at the top of your notes. So let me read this. Philippians 4, 6 through 7. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, Presents your request to God, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. If you don't want to, if you can't focus on any other part, focus on the part that says, "The peace of God, which transcends your understanding." Doesn't that sound good? Doesn't that sound like something you want? If He's telling me here that I can have that, I want that. I don't want anxiety. I want the peace that transcends understanding. I started off this week at odds with this, with this because I say the same thing that you guys say. I pray all the time. I pray repetitiously. I pray in the morning. I pray when something comes up. Um, I pray all the time. But by the end of the week and at the end of all this study, I actually love this passage. This passage gave me more peace this week than I probably had in the last 25 years because I don't experience peace in my life. It's just never happened. I've always been at a level of anxiety, and I keep it about there. And this week I didn't have to, which was really nice. And I, I, I want you guys to be able to see that and have that too. So the first thing we get starts right off. Don't be anxious about anything. We always need that command of what not to do, right? The Bible's full of commands, both. And I want you to stop thinking of these commands as the list of your to-dos, he gives you a command of what not to do, gives you a command of how to do it, and then tells you what you're going to get out of it. 
like there's a, there's a blessing that goes along with it. There's power that goes along with it. Whatever that is. Don't just think of it as a list to do, of to-dos. So here's our first command. Stop being anxious. Stop being anxious about your marriage. Stop being anxious about your work. Stop being anxious about your kids. Stop being anxious about that promotion. When God commands us to do something, there's power to go along with it. And we're going to have to get right down to, do you really believe that? Because the power in this prayer comes from your faith that God says, I gave you a command and now I'm going to give you the power to overcome it. He doesn't just say, do not be anxious about anything and doesn't give you any ways not to do that. But you have to believe that there's power in his commands. By following his commands, that there's actual power in that. Do you believe that his commands are good? You're going to have to believe that one too. That's a hard one sometimes. Like I said, we believe that his commands usually are the list of things, all the fun things I'm not supposed to do. This one's a little more obvious, right? This one's for your good. Don't be anxious. Don't be anxious. We learned about the physical and, and uh, mental and all those issues that come along with being anxious. Don't be anxious. This is for your good. We can all accept that one about this one, right? I hope. So the second command, and this is where your response comes in. The second command is what you should do. Your response is pray about everything. Pray about everything. And what we're going to do the rest of this time is, is talk about what this prayer actually is. Because a lot of you are saying to me, I do pray about everything. I've done that forever. But there's a little bit different thing here. And he gets very specific. So there's four parts. There's four parts of this prayer, and that's what we're going to go over today. The first one is, do not be anxious about everything, but in every situation, by prayer. Does everybody actually know what that word means? Prayer? It's the most common, common word in the New Testament. Prayer? You'll be surprised to, to find out it doesn't, actually, it doesn't actually mean to just run to God and say, God, I need a million dollars, and God, please fix this, and God, please fix this, and God, please fix this. It doesn't mean that, right? It doesn't mean that. That's not what prayer means. Prayer means to turn your thoughts and feelings toward God. So, step one. When you start to feel anxiety coming on, you turn your heart and your feelings toward God. That is not the same as just running to him and asking for stuff. The big difference here is you're turning to a God that's already bigger than whatever you're about to face. He is bigger than your problem. So you start off with whatever brings you awe. If it takes you going outside and looking up at the billions of stars that he created just by throwing it into being, do that. If it takes you going back through your prayer you know, your prayer record and seeing time and time and time again, he's answered your prayer, do that. But go into his presence saying, God, you're awesome and I know it. You're awesome and I know it and I've seen it. So you start by saying, God, I, this is who you are. This is who I'm coming into the presence of. I'm not coming into the presence of Jeremy. I'm not coming into the presence of John or Dick who would fail you. We will fail you. I'm not, it's not like a person. This is someone who's greater than your need. This is someone who's greater than your anxiety. I'm going to spend a little bit of time on this because if you don't get this part, the rest of this prayer doesn't have a lot of power. This power comes from the fact that you believe already that he's going to take care of it. Think about who he is, what he has done for you, 
This is coming into his presence remembering he is more than big enough. So, I have a bad habit, and I was listening to one minister who talked about it like this. I have this bad habit of running into his presence when I need something and sort of just whining in his presence, right? That's sort of how we pray sometimes. We just come into his presence and say, God, this is really bad. God, I don't like this. God, you know, boy, I wish this were different. And instead of starting off with, God, you're amazing and I know you can take care of it, I just run into his presence and, and throw stuff out. So the power in this prayer doesn't come from that. If you want the power that is going to come from this prayer that stomps out anxiety, you have to be focusing firstly on who God is. And you're going to spend that prayer focusing on who God is and not on your problem. You're going to bring your problem. We're going to learn about that in a minute. But if you're focusing the whole time on who God is and what he is and that he's already overcome for you and the salvation he's provided for you, that problem's going to get like this. It's just going to get smaller. It's going to get smaller because you're going to be talking to somebody who can take care of it. And you, you know can take care of it. You've seen take care of it. So hopefully you can look back at your life and already see these at times. I can see these times. I've seen these times with my kids. I've seen these times with my wife. I've seen times, you, you, you've all heard stories. I, I have had times where a check comes in the mail for exactly what I need. A very specific amount that nobody else knew about. So why would they write that check for that amount? It doesn't make any sense unless God is leading them to do that. So hopefully you can look back at times where God has taken care of you and go to those and say, you know what? I saw you do it there. I saw you do it there. I saw you do it there. I can do it. I can, I can see you doing it again. Um, so we start off with this. God is not smaller than your problems. If you believe that your problems are too big for God, then that's where that prayer sort of loses its power. That's where that prayer kind of ends. If, he, if you don't go into his presence thinking he can deal with it, why go into his presence? Next one. This is your petition. For your blank here, it's my need. Petition here means my need. There's a reason you're going to God, right? There's a reason there, and that reason is I can't do this. I can't deal with this myself without being anxious. I don't know how to overcome this. So you're going in knowing that there's a situation here. The situation is he is great and I'm not. I have a really hard time with this, but he can handle it. So when I go in... I'm, I'm, I'm realizing my need. So you just got done praying about how great he is and now you're realizing he's great enough and I can, I can do that. <clears throat> but here, uh, so here we're saying, I don't know what to do. And that's, that's okay to, to go to God and say, I'm not telling you that he, he's just going to read your mind and then no, none of the rest of the prayer matters. Go to God and be honest about it. Be honest, God, I don't know what to do. I'm trying to give up control to you because when I'm in control, it just keeps getting worse. The mess just keeps getting bigger. I just keep messing it up. I want to give that away. How many people have a hard time giving up control? You've got to jump off that throne in your life. John tells me this all the time. I think he just says it just for me. You've got to jump off the throne in your life because that control that you have isn't doing you any good. You're in the spot that you're in because you want to be in control. I want to be in control. I want to make sure that everything's just right. And as soon as I, as I grip that and I grip that and I grip that, it just makes it worse and worse and worse. So you go to him and say, I don't know. I don't know what to do about this sickness. I don't know what to do about my husband. Um, 
God, I need your help. And it's not, this is that point where if you're doing it the other way, you try to cut a deal. I just want to tell everybody, God doesn't cut deals. So when you go in and say, God, if you'll do all these, I promise to do this, not how it works. It isn't how it works. Maybe that's a motivator for you that you say, God, I, I'll, I'll see you do this and I'll do, but that's not how it works. God is not negotiating with you. He's not saying, okay, you're right. I'll get a lot out of if you go do those, so I'll answer this prayer. Not how it works. So instead, you're just coming in and saying, God, I don't, I don't have anything. I need you to help me deal with this. Next part. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving. Thanksgiving, which is a focus on, of what God has already done, or on what God has already done. To be freely giving thanks in the midst of prayer. I read this great thing by A.P. Robertson, who is a, uh, he's a Greek scholar, and he says this about the passage. In this passage, we are called to adore and praise God, to come admitting the desperation and need of our prayers, and that the prayers are salt and peppered with thanksgiving. It's like it's interdispersed throughout the prayer. In the midst of all these bad things you're praying about, you're thanking God. And you're probably, you don't have to thank God for those situations, but you're thanking God. You're saying, so this is, this is mine usually. Something like, God, you know, please, please work out whatever this thing is at my job. It's out of my control. I can't do anything about it. Help me to stop being anxious about it and just let you be in control. And then I'll say, and thank you, God, for how you made Heather. And thank you, God, for how you made my kids. And thank you, God, for the great things you've done in my life. It's kind of a remembering. It's a reminding yourself Thank you, God, for what you've done. What you've put in my life that's great. Thank you that I even have a job. You know, let alone that I need a promotion. Thank you that I have a job. It's, 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 he's given us these practical ways to put the right things into your heart, the right things into your mind. The, you're coming with thanksgiving. Your attitude is changing about the situation because you're thanking God. You're saying, God, thank you for what you've already done for me. <clears throat> the next one. Do not be anxious about anything. But in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. So these are the requests. You're obviously allowed to give your requests. Um, be specific. This is for your line here. Be specific in your requests. Some of you might be surprised by this, but when Heather sends me to the grocery store, she doesn't just say to me, go get some great stuff so that we can eat for the next week. She doesn't do that. And most of the men here probably know that about themselves. She gives me a list. I have a list of the things that I need. And if, if I have to go to Ithaca Wegmans, which is honestly on my list of my least favorite places on the planet, I do not want to go in there ever. I, I, I hate that place. She, not, she loves me so much. She gives me the list and then she maps it for me. This is on this aisle. This is on this aisle. And this is on this aisle. And I can go into it without wasting any steps. I can go right to it, right to it, right to it, and get out. That, it's never that simple, but that's how much she loves me. But she gives me specific requests. We need to be specific with God. This is where your prayer changes from, God, make me a better husband, to, God, I don't know how to talk to my wife. God, I don't know how to love my wife better. Get more specific. God, I don't know what to do when this situation comes up. You don't just pray, God, I just want to be a better father. 
God, I need, uh, you don't want to ask for this one, but God, I need more patience. God, <laughs> I don't know how to deal with this situation. When they do this and they don't listen to me, I know. It, <laughs> we don't like to pray for patience, but you, sometimes you have to because otherwise, and that's probably why it's been the way it has. But um, he'll teach you how. He'll teach you how to be more patient. And it probably won't be fun for a few minutes. But think about it as a, you know what? If I want in the long run to be better with my kids, he's going to give me exactly what I need to be able to do that. And it's probably a bunch of situations where I have to learn something and learn something and learn something. And if I look at it that way, it doesn't seem so hard. It doesn't seem so insurmountable that way. But be specific. I'm going to use my wife again as an example before we go any further because she's, she's always a good example. So about a year and a half ago, something, something moved in me. Something changed in me. And I have a passion for following Christ that I didn't have before that. And I've been a Christian for 25 years, and I freely admit I was not as passionate before that. And I found out recently, and Heather waited a long time to tell me this, but she said, about a year and a half ago, I changed how I prayed for you. I got specific in how I prayed for you. I saw those things you were struggling with. Instead of just saying, God, help Jeremy, bless Jeremy, she prayed specifically, God, if he has something he needs to overcome, convict him of it. God, if he has these things that need to happen in his life, do whatever you need to do. She changed how she prayed. And I changed because of that. I didn't know about it. If she had told me about it, I probably wouldn't have changed. I would have been like, hey, don't pray for me like that. <laughs> <laughs> don't pray for me like that. But when I heard that, it was just, it was an amazing blessing for me to hear that God was working through her to get me out of whatever that muck was I was in. And I'm not completely out of the muck. Don't get me wrong about any of that, but there's a passion now in me that I didn't have to get out of the muck. And I want to stay out of the muck. And I want to, I want to be able to live a better life. So she got more specific and I changed. And she might not agree with that totally, but... I, th I feel like I did a little bit. So, the Spirit of God as a Christian is in you. And that Spirit is the Spirit of peace. On this path that we're on right now, the biblical path, peace, is, peace and anxiety are used sort of like a tool for you too. Because when anxiety starts to come up, instead of letting it overcome you, because it, it is going to come. I'm not telling you by praying this that you're going to be able to keep it away all the time. You're still going to have to deal with it. But when it comes, we learn that there's a sentry standing on either side of your heart. And you need that sentry. Now, sentries don't, aren't used for defense. Sentries aren't used for attack. Sentries are used to go warn. When a sentry is, is seeing something coming, they go get the rest of the army. And so, when it says here, and the peace of God which transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus... The word here is similar to the word of a sentry. And so when anxiety starts to come up, that's a tool for you. Now all of a sudden, that sentry's running to your brain and saying, the enemy's coming. The enemy is coming. Time to do something. And that means it's time to pray. We just learned how to pray for that, right? The sentry came up. It's time to pray. Now here's the thing about this. If you don't want to have anxiety... When you go pray, if God tells you what you should do, if he puts it on your heart what you should do, to kill that anxiety, you've got to go do what that is. So if you go because it's part of a, 
complication with a friend and you two are angry at each other, if you go and you, and you read God's word like we did last week and it says go deal with your part of that, if you don't go deal with your part of that, the anxiety is not going to leave. So you've got the prayer, but God's going to give you a list. God's going to say if you don't want anxiety, you've got to go deal with it. You've got to be more honest. You gotta be, if, if what's causing you anxiety is that you lie all the time, you've got to be more honest. So these things are connected. He's going to give you what to do with it. But you'll have peace because you laid it at his feet. And you said, God, because of you, I can do it. Because you're all powerful, I can do it. I'm leaving this here, and now I'm going to go work on what's in your word. Your word tells me how to do it. I'm going to go work on it. So one major point. You'll have to write this down. It's not in your notes. Anxiety and a biblical prayer like this don't coexist. Can't coexist. You'll either do it wholeheartedly, you'll do it honestly, or you won't. You'll either go in praising a God that you believe will overcome everything, or you won't. They can't coexist. If you believe God can, over, can overcome, then the anxiety is going to flee. If he can overcome, he'll stop out that anxiety. They, they don't go together once you've done this. Once you've thanked him for all the things you've done, once you've remembered how great he is, so you may pray this prayer a hundred times. You may take these actions a hundred times because that anxiety starts to creep back up and you do it again. And that anxiety starts to creep back up and you do it again. I'm not telling you it's a one-time fix. I'm not telling you that it's easy. Everyone here knows this isn't easy. None of this is easy. But without that anxiety, think about where you would be. Think about how much time we spend on anxiety. I've spent my fair share. I'm done with it. I don't want to spend any more time on it. You know, if, if I can pray this prayer like I have this week, and, and even if people think I'm crazy for it, I don't really care. They'll say, what, what are you, an idiot? You think that, that God's going to take care of that for you? I'm at peace, though. Either way, I'm at peace about it. How is your peace doing? Because I'm still going to work hard. I'm still going to try my best, but I'm at peace about it. I'm done thinking about it. So what's the end of this path look like? This is the greatest, this is the greatest part. I, I think about this part of this verse all the time. Present your request to God and the peace of God which transcends all understanding. Transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and your mind in Christ Jesus. That's got to sound awesome. That's got to sound like something you want. That's something, that, that's something I want. Why does it surpass understanding? First, it's going to surpass your understanding. Because at first, you're going to say that I can't overcome anxiety. And when he overcomes it with you, because you take these steps in faith, you're going to be like, I can't believe that just happened. I did that four times this week. I can't believe that just happened. I can't believe that just happened. I can't believe that got taken care of and I didn't have to worry about it. I can't believe it. But the bigger part of this is your testimony. Peace that surpasses understanding is going to come from everybody looking at you. They're going to look at the hardships that you've been through. They're going to look at the death. They're going to look at the sickness. They're going to look at all the pain you've had and say, but he still has peace. And I don't understand that. I kind of think I want that. This is, this is, this is part of how you show others. This is a big part of our testimony. If this is part of your testimony, you have something that other people want. If this isn't part of your testimony, then they say, why would I want to be a Christian? You're just as anxious as I am. You're anxious all the time. Why would I want that? I'm not, I, you know, I don't, I don't see any reason. 
So um, we want them to want that peace. I want you guys to want that peace. So that when you see me and I see you, I see this thing that transcends understanding. I see this supernatural peace. And that's really what it comes down to. This is a supernatural peace. This is not something you earn. This is not something you gain by being really, really good at such and such. This is a peace that transcends that. So I'm going to close with two examples, two quickly. One is obvious, and everybody, everybody who knows Kim Ray, if you don't know Kim Ray, go meet Kim Ray. She's had cancer multiple times, and this last time was pretty bad. And if you talked to her and met with her, she had peace about that. I'm sure she didn't have peace every moment, but when you went and talked to her, she was at peace. And as a Christian, that struck me hard even. I'm looking at it saying, I don't know what I'd do. I, I, this is scaring me. I'm upset about this, Kim Ray. I don't want you to be sick. I'm having anxiety about this, and I'm not going through it. So when I go to her, she makes me feel better. It's amazing. That's amazing. Can you imagine? I have a young man who I've spoken with a lot in the last three weeks who is really sick, really sick. And he has three little kids. And he has a young wife. And he's really sick. It's not just like sort of sick. He's in trouble a little bit. And I went over just to, just to see how I could pray for him. And I wanted to talk to him. I wanted to hear about it. And so he told me everything was going on. And my anxiety was just like starting to go up. It was worse than I thought. It was, it was, it was more overwhelming than I thought it was. And he ended telling me, he said, but I know where I'm going. And God's going to take care of my family. Like he always has. So sometimes I, I think I probably should be more anxious about it, but I'm not. I don't have anything to be anxious about. I'm going to heaven. And I've seen God take care of my family. And he, it's not about me being here to take care of them. God's going to take care of them. So, of course, I, go, I leave there feeling way better than... I was supposed to make him feel better. You know? And I, you know, we prayed and stuff. But I left there in awe of that. Because there's a chance that he has you know, a couple years or less. And he's looking at it like, you know what? God's in control. God's going to take care of me and my family, and I know where I'm going if I die, and it's not a bad thing. I know where I'm going when I die, and it's not a bad thing. So I'll leave you with that. My prayer, my prayer for you this week is that you start to practice this. This is a practical thing. This is not something you're going to gain just because you heard it from me today. It's a practical thing that you have to put in place. This is a different way of praying. Unless you're praying this way already, and then God bless you, then you're, you're less anxious than I am. This is, this is a new way to pray for me and I'm excited about it because I am tired of being anxious and being ineffective. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for this. I thank you for this group. I thank you for bringing them here today. I thank you, God, that you are this awesome and you can work and we can have peace even though it seems impossible that we can have peace. Thank you for uh, creating these people the way you did. I thank you for these people and, and what they do for each other and how they treat each other and how they love each other. I thank you for that and how they've treated me. I pray that as we go out from here today that there will be a new passion in us and that we will seek to have less anxiety, that we'll seek your face and we'll remember that there is no issue bigger than you and that the power is through you and that we can just keep coming back as many times as we need to. I thank you in your name. Amen.